This is Maxine Ryan with Prosper Podcast, and today's guest is Kieran Daniels, who is the co-founder and CEO. Sorry, for those who are listening, he's waving to the camera and making me laugh right now. But um, yeah, Kieran Daniels is the co-founder and CEO of Smart DeFi, which is the Robin Hood of DeFi. This is going to be really interesting because we're going to be talking about the future of finance and what we can be expecting in this space. But before we get into that, I want to thank our um, sponsor today, who is Future Fund. Future Fund is actually an investor in both of our startups, which is kind of cool. Um, so if you want to look at anything else that's kind of interesting that Future Fund's looking into, please look in the description box below. Um, so Kieran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, um, I saw you on Twitter when you guys raised your one mil um, seed fund. Is that right? Yeah, pre-seed, but yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we started raising, I guess, shoot, it's been six months ago now. So uh yeah, we closed that up like officially, you know, about about a month ago or so. And, uh, you know, we we bootstrapped initially and built the back end on our own and then raised and whatnot. So it's been kind of, you know, it's just been go, go, go since the beginning. But, yeah, we're, we're finally at that stage where we have, you know, budget and we're hiring and, and you know, getting yeah. ready to launch. So very exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, well done on, you know, raising that first round. I know that sometimes that can be like the hardest one. So kudos to you guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, do you want to give an intro into Smart DeFi and what you guys are solving in the decentralized finance space? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Smart DeFi is an easy to use non-custodial investment app, and uh, it fulfills the need of traditional investors who want to make their first DeFi investments, but they don't know how to take their first steps. Um, so we're not targeting, you know, DeFi users. We feel that DeFi users and crypto people will probably come and they'll probably be very, you know, maybe have a family member and whatnot, but we really are going, you know, we're trying to serve the traditional investor people like that, you know, use Fidelity or Robinhood or Charles Schwab or, or things like that, Acorns. Um, so the problem that we're solving, um, you know, there's a few of them, but really that Web3 and DeFi is extremely complicated. Um, it's hard to use. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of techno, techno, technological stuff that's confusing. People can figure that out. But like the big challenge is there's a lot of new paradigms to learn, too. Um, so, you know, we uh, and because of that, that creates kind of a gate, like some sort of difficulty gate to get into it. And a lot of people are now interested in this and they, they want to learn and they want to do it, but they, they don't know how. So um, we, you know, create an easy use app that obscures the blockchain, uh, kind of hides all that, still is, is non-custodial, but then we're going to also focus on education and kind of helping people get there too. So that's amazing. So like, you know, when I think about Robinhood, I think about a app that is essentially a broker account that people can, you know, buy and sell stocks. Is Smart DeFi going to be the app that people go to, to buy and sell cryptocurrency and be able to like, you know, leverage trades and things like that? How sophisticated is this going to get? That's a really good question. Um, you know, we went, a lot of the challenge is, like I just said, is, is kind of bridging that education gap and, and trying to get the, the point of what we are and what we're doing across quickly. So we really, from the beginning, even designed the product around that. So we went, you know, we, we focused this, uh, the initial products, the DTFs, we're calling them decentralized ETFs. Really, they're just baskets of uh, Ethereum and, uh, and protocols. So um, what... What that allows, so we're, we're focusing specifically on that. And what that is, is like a passive uh, income product. So yeah. with these users, they're used to this with Fidelity. They're used to these different things. They're used to assessing their risk first. And that's been the biggest challenge that we're hearing is that users don't know how to do that. So to answer your question more directly, we're not going to be an exchange. We're not going to 
offer buying even ETH. We're not going to do, you know, something like uh, anything else like that. We're going to be focused specifically on providing this familiar product that, um, you know, and we're not necessarily, you know, we want to create this risk assessment layer. We don't care what they buy or what they do. We want to help them understand what it is and, and get to their needs. So. Wow. Wow. That's like, that's super interesting. I can't wait to get more into like specifically the app and what you guys are solving. One thing I really love to ask is like how you first got into crypto in the first place. Like that's always such an interesting story to me. Um, you know, did you enter like in 2017 at like the height of ICOs or like, you know, when did it all start for you? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think that's a, that's a good one to ask everyone too. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I was a big video game nerd, like growing up, you know, I, I played sports and all that too, but I was always, you know, gaming and especially even in college and stuff like that. So really the way I was first introduced to it was uh, through Bitcoin and uh, through buying Diablo 2 stuff online is what I think it Diablo. was, like, <laughs> you know, like some really sketchy websites that probably sold drugs too and stuff like that. But literally like that was what it was back then. And you know, but I also, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this too. There's a lot of stuff that I learned at that point, you know, a lot about like what decentralization is like a lot about how, you know, I, I think that was kind of the point where I really learned, you know, what money is and how limiting it is for people in, in different parts of the world and whatnot. So that really ignited a fire for me about understanding what it was. And then, you know, I don't really code, I, I understand it, but I'm all marketing growth kind of product and whatnot. So I didn't really get into it at all until 2017 when like the ICO thing hit, when I noticed Ethereum ran, I'd been following it over the years and staying in touch, but that's when there was actual, you know, money and projects and going, and, uh, you know, I was doing web, web two consulting at the time and just, you know, jumped in and never looked back. So. Great. Do you, um, you know, like web two, web three, like those terms are being thrown around a lot. Do you kind of want to explain like the iteration of the web from like one, two and three and what that possibly means for the user today? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I hope I can I hope I can do that. You know, eloquently. You can do it. Well, I but, trust you. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess just thinking about myself first, and that's kind of where we draw to our, our personal experiences. Like, I you know I started back when like SEO is a thing, and 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 content marketing was just getting going. So that was like the early days, like the dot com, and I believe that that would be considered web one. I might be right or wrong about that, but the next phase of that was the application. So that's kind of what when people talk about like web two, it's these it's a lot of the application, but it's also you know, these third party, uh, you know, providers that, that do certain things. And I think maybe that's the best way to describe Web 2. I think the simplest way to say the British Web 3 is that instead of trusting a third party, which is a person or an entity or government, you're trusting something like a smart contract or you're mm -hmm. uh, trusting technology or a DAO. And, you know, they would say, tr uh, you know, uh, trust, but, uh, trust, but verify. Right. So that's yeah. kind of this whole shift is instead of, you know, your risk assessment being on what, dude is your woman is you know managing your money it's about um you know what contract it is and what's what's going on with that i think that might be the best way to kind of summarize it for sure like i feel as though like you know the web3 world is a lot more about win-win situations for everybody and like this huge collaboration of effort between you know applications but also users and yeah i'm i'm so excited and it's lovely to see like smart defi kind of build in this space so you said that your like start in the crypto world was in bitcoin first like kind of like buying what, what exactly were you buying for your Diablo yeah, games? I mean, the best I remember is, and I don't remember even what price it was. You know, everyone has their horror stories that have been around for that long about how many they own. Yeah. I don't even remember, but, you know, thousands. Like, it was probably, yeah. like, I think a dollar, maybe it was around the $7 stage. I don't remember, but you know, when you play video games, you can buy, uh, you can buy, like, characters that have been, you know, leveled up, or you can buy, like, items or whatnot. But these are all um, 
people that are in different countries you know what i mean or they're not necessarily using american currency or they're not you're not going to venmo them <laughs> that didn't exist back then but you know what i mean so bitcoin you know and that kind of brings up the subject of you know whether it's anonymous or not and used for crime and whatnot but the what it really is is transparency and 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 being able to do what you want like with your money so yeah it was literally though but i mean that was kind of you know everyone has their aha moment that gets them involved and then it just just goes from there you know so for sure. And I'm guessing that smart DeFi, is it kind of more catered to like Ethereum um, than it is Bitcoin? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, so me and like my co-founder Jugas, who, who we'll talk about and get in and, and all of our, you know, investors and all of our, our team and everyone, we're very, you know, heavy like DeFi nerds. Like we're all about, you know, full decentralization and protocols and, and you know, open source and whatnot. With that being said, like Smart DeFi is a specific product and we think that it's fulfilling a new need. And this is going to be really what opens us up to the world. And it's it's meeting this consumer need. And, you know, to do that, our back end is completely decentralized. You know, we, we, we can get into this later, too, with the different infrastructure and whatnot. But we generate safes for each user. Um, you know, they, we never touch funds. They're always doing it. They don't see that. We obscure it. But, um, you know, that that's important to us. So we're, we're, we're sticking to that decentralized nature and whatnot. But really we're obscuring all that blockchain. We're hiding that. So we're trying to kind of bridge the gap here. So I don't know if that directly answers your question, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I feel as though Ethereum essentially is, it's easier for applications to build on top of that are more user-friendly. Like I really see it as kind of like that bridge into it. And, you know, my history was with originally like building on Bitcoin and it got to a point where we actually had to start building on another blockchain specifically because we couldn't kind of build that gap um, that was missing. And now what I'm seeing with all this development in Ethereum, you can actually start providing services that just help everyday people. So, you know, did you and your co-founder, sorry, what was his name? I tried to like look up his name and it's like, it's, it's such an interesting name. So it's Lithuanian and it's Jugus. It's D-Z-I-U-G-U-S. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool Jugus. name, but yeah, Jugus. So Jugus, yeah. uh, Jugus, Jugus Bukis. Yeah. But uh, he's a awesome guy. I met him at ETH Number, I think. And I guess it's been like three years ago now or something. So um, yeah, 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 really great. And I guess yeah. like just real quick going back, I, I realized your question was, was it Ethereum or Bitcoin? I kind of got lost on a tangent. Yeah, it's this is completely built on Ethereum. We use Polygon as a scaling solution. But, Polygon's you know, awesome. Their, yeah, their team is amazing. What did you say? Sorry. A Polygon's amazing. Yeah, we can. We, we'll definitely get into that and kind of how they helped us and whatnot. But yeah, we're, we're specifically Ethereum. You know, it's open source in the background and we can kind of go through, you know, all the different uh, infrastructure with that. Definitely. So, you know, you and your co-founder, like, did you guys just meet at a conference and said, okay, like, let's build a company together. Like, what's the story behind that? Yeah, pretty much. You know, that's how it's done. Nowadays. <laughs> that's how it is, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, so I was working at a previous company called Blog Native. Uh, they're a mempool monitoring company. So I was doing growth for them, which was great for me. Like, I got, you know, really in depth with the time Gnosis. It's, I was working with a bunch of different protocols. You know, it was very great for me to do a business development thing in a technical role. So he actually had a previous company called Heroes of Ether at the time, which, you know, back in the day, I believe, I guess that would have been 2018 or 17. I'm kind of bad with the time. It was all like a blur back then. But uh, so he, I actually think I met him initially on a call on like a business development call that we were going to help their company and whatnot. We hit it off, kept in contact and then met up at ETH Denver, um, which is the story of a lot of people that, you know, a lot of investors now and a lot of people that we work with and build with, you know, that kind of I think in 2017, that ETH Denver and that ETH Global community kind of really solidified things and when the DAO has started and stable points and whatnot. So anyway, um, yeah, him and I met then. And then, you know, COVID, uh, I guess I guess to start with, like, so so Jugas actually had the smart DeFi idea originally. He had kind mm. of come up with this and percolated it. And it was something similar to what Idle Finance is at first. So that was like 
a lot of what he brought in and what it went. And then when we started talking together, we realized idle finance was a thing met that team, loved them. And, and then we kind of put our minds together. And that's when I decided to come on and join. And we turned it into this risk assessment layer. So we're using idle and we're using the different things we get into. And then we really both, what we really wanted to do is create a consumer layer. Like we both were like, we really want to you know obscure this stuff. However we do it, make sure we're using on-ramps, do all the heavy lifting we can to make this accessible. So, um, you know, it just kind of accumulated and then there's no better time to start a new project in the middle of a pandemic. So that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, we you. decided to keep going in May. So, yeah. Yeah. Like Prosper is also a pandemic startup. So yeah, it, <laughs> no better time than the present. So that's sure. a really cool story. And, you know, why do you think that DeFi has gained popularity over centralized finance? Um, you know, we we know the struggles that centralized finance has predominantly in, you know, like accessibility, right? A lot of people can't access, um, yeah, access centralized finance. What are the benefits of decentralized finance, do you think, over centralized finance? Yeah, I mean, I think access is is the main thing. And, and, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, like... Like we're very fortunate. I mean, I'm I'm assuming with you, sorry, but like people like me, like I, you know, I've had a a, a driver's license, I have a bank account, and things like that. Like uh, a lot of people in the world don't. Most people like way more than they do. So we're a lot of times in you know no fault of our own in this kind of bias, and that's that's really what I the first thing I think of with DeFi and why it's becoming popular is you know, uh, people that, that have that, live, whether it's a dictatorship or whether it's just a country that over taxation or whatnot, it allows this freedom of money and the separation of money and state. And I really think that that's kind of the whole purpose, but I mean like the 10,000 foot view of, of it, I guess in the more local realm or whatnot. And then like, what is people are tired of being screwed by the banks and they're tired mm-hmm. of like being told that they can't trade this or do that. And they're realizing that, that, uh, you know, the banks are making a bunch of money on their assets and these assets actually have value, whether it's a token or whether it's your house or whatever, whatnot. And, and it's now slowly, like I said, education is the main key thing here, but people are realizing what self-custody is. That's an aha moment. People are realizing that they actually own an asset that can be tokenized and that can be went out without three dudes or, you know, whatever, (laughs) you know what I mean? So that's kind of, I think this, this aha moment is happening. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think when I started, um, you know, my first company was really focusing on like banking the unbanked. And when I read the stats on the population that doesn't have a bank account, I think it's something like 70%. Like that's a lot of people in the world that don't have a bank account, don't have access. If you don't have access, then you can't get a loan to start a business. Like you can't make your first investments. And it's really kind of like apps like you know, smart DeFi, like people can essentially buy Bitcoin, like a fraction of a Bitcoin. And that can essentially like, you know, change somebody's life. And they have so much access now that they never had before. But, you know, when with anything that's new, there's always going to be hurdles. What do you think are the main hurdles of DeFi at the moment um, that it still has to overcome? Yeah. And this is what I love focusing on too. You know, it's, we, it has legs now, like it's not just going to fail. Like we, we can do this. I mean, I always believed in it, but uh, yeah. so it's, you know, focusing on like, what are, the most impactful things we can do. And that's kind of what Smart DeFi is trying to do is, you know, we're focusing on education uh, with content marketing throughout the app and at the, the base of it. So I think that that is probably the number one thing is education, just this paradigm, relearning of paradigms. Like you do, you can own your assets and actually own them. When you give them to a bank, you don't actually own them. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Like once you get that across and uh, and those different, and, and that like people that don't have access that can now and whatnot, like that's important. 
Uh, I think user experience is is huge. I think that asking people to learn MetaMask is ridiculous. And I think yeah. that, you know, like we we don't always use the thing. We don't need to use a S, S, what, STPM or STMP for to, we don't need to learn that, how to send an email, right? So it's like, it might be cool for us and the people that want to do it, but a lot of people, it's not that they're stupid or, or, or they couldn't get it. They just don't have time or they don't care or they don't need to. So um, I think user experience is huge. And a lot of people are working on that, including us. And then, um, you know, I guess something, I don't know if it's a hurdle, but I think it's something that is important for everyone is regulation, you know, like where, and it, and it depends on where you live, right? When someone says, is that illegal? It's the first question is, you know, where, like, where are you, you know, and that's, that's something to think about. So, you know, regulation isn't a bad thing. Um, always. I think that it's a very nuanced thing. Like, I think that without it, that things can get crazy. And I think that especially like the United States where they're ignoring it, and like we're very behind, I think that's bad because it, it sets everyone that has to work within those laws. Um, I think that overregulation is equally as bad, if not worse. You know what I mean? So this that's always a touchy subject and, and whatnot. But I think that that's something that at least seems like it's starting to happen. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's really interesting because I read an article today that was about, I think, FTX exchange mm -hmm. buying out its shares from Binance. And, yeah. you know, Binance is under a lot of stress from regulators at the moment. Like, you know, banks are shutting down the on and off ramps in the, uh, sorry, in the UK. And like, I have to, like, I feel kind of bad for Binance because like they essentially have so, they gave so much access to so many people in such an unregulated world. But at the same time, they're under so much pressure now. But, you know, if regulators aren't going to give a, I guess, an idea about where people can move, people do have to take those risks. But we are seeing that more and more like FTX, I think that they're really like kind of, they're, they're going to be the next Binance because they're able to work within those like regulation frameworks that are being made today. Um, so yeah, like regulation is definitely something that has to happen, but it's always behind innovation, right? And I think that's actually like a good thing to some extent. Um, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> walk us, like you, you talk a lot about customer, um, you, sorry, user experience. And like, I always love to have this discussion because when we're talking about like DAOs, so that's yeah, DAOs and like decentralized currency, like current, yeah, decentralized currency. It's hard to think about like what the user experience would look like there. Can you walk us through like step-by-step step what a person would be able to do on smart DeFi? Like, you know, from signing up and having an account to then what? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, user experience is one of my passions. Like I, I've always liked designing that anyway, but, you know, I worked with like really high-end SaaS stuff where it's very saturated and it was, you know, about conversion. And I, I learned a lot about churn and a lot about like, you know, little, you just learn a lot about psychology and, and how important it is. And, and, it, and it's fascinating to me. I'm super passionate about it. So that, you know, I often lean towards that first anyway, but, you know, this just happens to also be like, like I said, one of the main hurdles right now, one of the main issues because of how, you know, like I said, the new paradigm and then how crazy and how horrible this stuff is. Um, so that was really our main goal. Like if there's a thesis, it's, you know, aside from the actual product, which is the risk assessment and the, the, the passive income earning and, and whatnot, the thesis of smart DeFi is, is to be absolutely, you know, user-friendly and for all levels. And it's not just people who don't want to learn. It's like, and I, I don't mean this in age bias, but it's like our parents and all this and whatever, they're not trying to do well and whatever, like they want to like be a part of things. And, and there's people that, you know, don't have time. Wanna... Anyway, so, you know, user experience was a main focus. What we did to achieve that or to fix that is really heavy lifting. Like that's kind of what we did. Like we're, we owe everything to our partners. Like we're a super interface, if you will, that's kind of less sexy, I guess, but that's really what we are is we're this awesome interface and gateway over 
um, over the protocol on the wallet layer, I guess, if you will. So, you know, um, so what we do is we hide things like passphrase saving. Um, we hide words like stablecoin. Um, and we're not talking down to our users. We provide all this education of what's actually going on. But the app looks like a fintech app. So you download the app. Um, you see right away, you know, create account. So we're even, we even after a lot of user, we did a bunch of user research over the year. You know what I mean? Like we talked to a bunch of different people and got a lot of awesome stories and feedback. And it's not that people don't, well, it's not that they wouldn't understand what a stablecoin is. It's when they see stablecoin USDC, they're not going to just, they're not ready to do it then. They have to learn and whatnot. So anyway, we did, uh, you know, log in, create account. And then we use a, an integration called Taurus Labs. And they have an awesome direct auth product that allows login with Apple ID and Google ID. And, you know, DeFi people might be like, oh, Apple, you know, the, our yeah. user demands that. Like, that's what they yeah. want. They want the easy use. Um, it's secured at the device. So what it allows you to do is just double click, log in. What that does is it creates a passphrase in the background, saves that blindly from us, backs it up, and allows them to immediately log into Web3 without ever even a password. We don't even allow email sign up. We're literally just going full mobile and full into that. So yeah, long explanation of that part, but that was kind of important, you know, so they get their create account. They don't even know what's going on. We just generated a Gnosis safe behind the scenes, which is huge, heavy lifting, um, which is also why we use Polygon, uh, you know, their layer two in order to do that. And it wouldn't cost a hundred dollars like it normally would. So we generate them a web three wallet behind the scenes. They think that they just got an account, but they actually have their own Gnosis safe. Gnosis secures, I think, 25 billion dollars and like 3% of all of ETH. We use their contracts, um, so they have their wallet. And then the next thing, uh, the next screen is, you know, deposit money. And the difference here is, you know, we're non-custodial. So it's not that they're sending money to us. What's actually going on is they have their wallet. And then our launch partner is Wire. So they're an amazing provider of fiat on-ramp for the United States as well. They also support Polygon in the United States now. Um, so what's actually going on is the 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 user you know we're, we're we're packaging this transaction and whatnot and hiding that all behind but the user is you know they can buy their buying power so what they're actually getting is usdc so their wallet is interacting with uh the wire widget they're getting usdc but we see they see buying power um and they can use apple pay um just straight from the phone which is just like magic wow. to me it's unreal yeah. um can't wait to share it and then or credit card uh or uh, bank account so anyway you know they download create account deposit their money and then they're immediately dumped into the risk assessment quiz which is like what they've seen for the last 20 years or whatnot you know with fidelity question seven questions i believe you know, like what the market did this, what would you do? What are your goals, et cetera? Very comforting and normal and, and useful. And then after that, they get a risk assessment uh, score. And then we have these four products. We have historical volatility. It's conservative, balanced, growth and aggressive baskets. Um, and then, you know, we, this is an important thing to know. Like we're not managing people's money. We're not, um, we're not rebalancing. We're not doing anything like in the, the least sexiest way. Like we're an affiliate. Like we're really trying to help people understand, educate and get what they want to do. You know, the advanced user new MetaMask and whatnot, they could go in and just replicate these and get the same results, right? So what we're really doing is we're getting, we're helping the user understand everything. And then we're packaging up based on, you know, the last two or five years, what happened. So we recommend, or we say like, okay, you're you might be best aligned with the conservative DTF. Yeah. We don't force them to buy that. They can buy whatever they want. They can do whatever after that. Um, so you can either buy there or you get dumped into the app. The app, which we're very excited to get out and show, it's very simple. We, we went on purpose, super, super simple for the, for the initial you know, product is focusing just on these four products, um, monitoring those products, being able to buy those. But the main thing that I'm the most excited about is one of the buttons on the, um, the app is risk. And when you click that, you'll see your risk score and you'll be able to take the test again and, and we'll do a bunch of cool tools in there. But really, we're going to create an entire content channel there. 
Like we are going to be the authority on DeFi beginner content. We will have an awesome blog too, but like we're really going to have, you know, guides, work like tops, uh, whatever. Yeah, you need that that. Entire channel. yeah. So that'll be very exciting. And, and that's really what we want to do. We want to make it easy for people to just button mash and get in and we're ready and we want to try it. And then we want to provide whatever level of education they need after that. It sounds like you guys are like a super app that kind of like ties all of the possibilities of DeFi into one. And that is so important because like, you know, as a DeFi, I guess like user myself, like I have to hop into all these different freaking applications to get one thing done. And it's like so expensive and there's all this stuff, like that's amazing. Um, You know, we kind of went into a lot of like the unique value propositions that you guys have provided, everything from, you know, you're not actually owning like people's money, they own it themselves to all your on and offboarding partnerships. Um, you know, one thing that you've mentioned over and over again is that you guys are a non-custodial app. Do you want to go into a why that's important? Yeah. And I mean that, I really appreciate you asking that too, because I think that, you know, we're still figuring out like what's most important to teach people and, and how to do all this too. And we have an idea, but I think that that's going to be our really, our thing we focus on is like just teaching. Cause you'll be amazed how many people still don't know what self-custody is. And I didn't for a long time too. And that all concept. So it's not like, you know, so anyway, um, I guess the best way to start is if you've ever heard the phrase, not your keys, not your coins, you know, a lot of people go to this, but like that was popularized for a reason. And, and what that means, it's referring to the difference between, I guess, custodial or non-custodial. Um, some examples of custodial services are your bank, uh, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Coinbase. Coinbase is a bank. <laughs> like it's a, yeah. it's a nice, easy to use bank, but it's still a bank. Uh, Fidelity, Robinhood, um, things like that. These services, they require you to give their assets, to send them and, and deposit them and uh, into their custody. So that's what that custodial means. So it might seem like you own that money, like it's your money and, you know, you usually can get it, but, you know, at a time of war, at a time of this, uh, you know, you have to ask permission to get it back. And that's kind of the entire point, um, whether that's, you know, however the method is or whatever the situation is. So, and, you know, something we've seen recently is like the AMC fiasco with Robinhood mm-hmm. and them just halting trading because their hedge fund told them to and, and things like that. Like you, like, come on, you know? So um, <clears throat> smart DeFi is totally non-custodial. So we never touched users' assets. Uh, we couldn't, even if we wanted to, like even the fees, we're literally, you know, you'll log in and if we, if we have to charge a fee or a subscription fee or whatnot, then it, it says, you know, hey, here's a transaction. Do you accept and whatnot? So we're still, you know, we're, we're, we're alluding and we're very, we're seeing, we're being very similar to a traditional fintech app and how it works and whatnot. But the back end is inc- incredibly, you know, decentralized and whatnot. Um, so like I said before, I think I talked about it a little bit, but we do a lot of heavy lifting. We generate a new Gnosis safe for each new user. So I don't know if, I don't think anyone's done this yet. And uh like it, you know, when DeFi was going crazy and before Polygon and layer two, it was a hundred and something dollars per safe to, to do this. So we dove into this project knowing that we would have layer two accessible and we were working with Polygon for nine months now or something. So, so um, I hope that a lot of people will start doing this. Like it's not, yeah. I didn't mean that in a first to market sense at all. It's just like Gnosis is, is so secure and it's basically the operating system of Ethereum. It allows you to interact with these different apps. It allows us to have multiple signatures that allows us to protect our users. And, uh, you know, two things too, like we don't, we didn't have to write our own contracts. So like yeah. we didn't have to write, we had, we did some smart contracts and there's some like technical stuff, but we're not holding that much. Like we don't, you know, there's not a honey pot where we can be targeted and the best contracts ever are getting hacked now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was really good. And also we didn't have to do a token at launch. So, you know, we, 
we want, we love the idea of governance. We want to decentralize it's, it's planned. And that's going to be something that happens. It'll be similar to that FTX model. Like you mentioned, like where they're really more about rewards and points and reducing fees and staking. And it'll be a really cool, almost web two feel, but we were very adamant from the beginning and with our investors and everyone that like, look, we're like, we're coming out with this product and we're going to do it how we decide and how, you know, with the feedback and, and we want people to trust us and we want to try to make this as best as we can at first, because we need to make it work and we need to tweak yeah. these products, get it, scale it out, build a community, and then we'll hand over all the different things. And, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of the idea with that. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that is awesome. Like, I'm just sitting here, like listening intently because it's just like so exciting. Um, I really love that you guys are kind of like, you guys are starting off the right way. I feel as though maybe like a lot of new startups out there, they're just kind of like, okay, well, like, you know, we should own some part of the onboarding so that we can target our customers better and all this type of stuff. And you guys really are kind of going, no, actually there's like a, yeah, it's like, you guys have really good ethics. <laughs> I feel like that. that's the best way to explain it. Um, so, you know, like you've already gone through a lot about the infrastructure that Smart DeFi is built on, um, you know, Polygon, Wire, all this type of stuff. So I won't go too much into that. But something that I think a lot of people do associate with the word Robinhood or crypto is that it has a bad rap for risk. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think that it's just like a part of the environment of something new? Um, do you think that, you know, a few people getting burned on crypto and using like, you know, more risky financial products is just a part of the game um or do you think that maybe there's some actors out there that haven't really been handling this as well as they could what are what are your thoughts thoughts yeah that's a really good way to ask that like i mean like i i, I think that there's always risk right and mm -hmm. i think that i think that the problem with a lot of DeFi in the beginning it might have been kind of dog fooding if that's the right way to say it is like kind of avoiding that, that there's risk why not so that was like one of the main pieces of this is like hey you talk to a savvy investor that you know these people and all the people were trying to, to get in here like they they're like okay well how do i assess the risk and it's like oh you can't you know what i mean or go read the go read the code you know what i mean yeah. like so it's like eh. so um <laughs> I think that all investments are risky and I think that that should be approached with like glee and that you should know you should have you should happily look at what the risk is and 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 then figure out what your uh tolerance is I guess is the right the word right so um like I think that there's all, like all investments are risky and then there might be more you know we don't use the word safe but there might be safer no not and then I think that there probably are other entities that I mean, we know that they they all that they all the, a lot of them cheat and lie and, and it'll do different things and whatnot so um, you know, I, that's kind of the reason like what we're doing. Like we, we want, you know, we know that there's different risks. We're going to provide the risk assessment through the quiz and then also mm -hmm. through education. And then we also want to do tail end stuff on the protocol end and whatnot. And then really that's why we built the products everywhere. Like it's a risk assessment yeah. layer that you're used to, and it's all around the historical volatility. So historical volatility doesn't predict what's going to happen in the future by any means. And no one's saying that what it does though, is it gives you a a better idea of what's happened and allows people that are want to get their feet wet at whatever level to kind of to do that a lot safer and better. Um, another thing that just came to mind, something that we wanted to do from the very beginning, but it's still maturing. And um, I guess I kind of got to be a little quiet about like the actual release of this, but we're we definitely going to offer insurance. And that's something that we wanted to do from day one. Um, and it'll be down to the protocol level. So like what, just without getting too tactical right now, like most of our products right now, we'll expand these and whatnot, but they're using idle finance and they're an amazing, amazing product. They're a protocol, a DeFi protocol that aggregates 
all of the other lending protocols together. So it, or not all, but it's like Aave, uh, yeah. uh, Maker, um, DXY, things like that. And what it does is it, it aggregates those together and it has two products, a best yield and a best risk adjusted. So that's really what has made up our products. Um, so, you know, and, and the root of it is we have, a, you have exposure to Ethereum at a different percentage in each of these things. And then you have exposure, you know, your assets are being lent out to these different protocols. So, you know, the idol has been very conservative from the beginning. And that's why the only reason really, well, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons we, we trust them and work with them in the beginning, it was before yield farming. They were looking for this conservative long-term, you know, whatnot. So um, they've only picked, you know, knock on wood, haven't been hacked, haven't been emptied, whatever, yeah. not, not. So it's a very quote unquote, like safe play, but um, anything can happen. So what we really want to do is provide that, that end-to-end product suite that, you know, traditional investors are asking for. And that's, you know, they want to log in, they want to deposit their money, they want to buy a DTF, and then they want to insure that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, long answer, but we're working towards that as quickly as possible. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You know, something that I'm kind of thinking ahead about is, you know, you're saying that you're kind of like an aggregator for all these different like access points that somebody would have to need on their journey to like DeFi. I'm just wondering, it's like, you know, that seems like maybe a lot of middlemen. How do you guys kind of mitigate um, money passing through like these, yeah, lots of different entities to get to one point? Because I totally understand the mission of like consolidating that all into one. But another point is that could it be quite expensive? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is like we're, so, so it's expensive is a relative term, right? So mm. when you're using like, uh, fidelity or something like that like there's like where does the money go you know what i mean so it's like you're you're getting such low returns because there's four people in the middle taking it from you so <laughs> yeah. our returns are a, a much higher in general um you know we still we're we're opening up with a 10 and 2 pricing structure like we're gonna you know charge like a subscription fee and then and then charge on profits but you know we pay all of those uh like the fees to wire and all those different partner fees out of uh up front and then and then that's on top of whatnot so what, 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 what it is though, is like, it's the reason that we do that is to be non-custodial. And the reason also is happening like that is the user is actually generating their own Gnosis safe in their own wallet and their own thing. And then they're actually technically interacting with wire on their own. Right. It looks like an yeah. app. It's not the, the, what it has a lot to do with is regulation, right? Like, so mm-hmm. the, the security and the risk is pretty consolidated to Gnosis in the sense of, like that's all where it's going on. And that's, you know, knock on wood, very, very, you know, secure and, and so far has been great. But what it comes down to and how, like we're starting with US only and, and launching iOS, but we really want to expand worldwide. We wanted to do that at the beginning, but it just makes more sense business-wise to focus and scale. But um, what I'm getting at is these different fiat on-ramps are really going to be a crucial part of this. And they they play an important role. And so do like centralized exchanges in that sense, not with this, but, you know, so Wire is very good with US regulation. They have however many MTLs. They, they are the reason that, you know, this user can go in and do that. So it seems like we're doing all this, but the, the heavy lifting and the exchanging of hands is, is required. It, you pay, we pay fees, and, but it works out in the end. Yeah. But then also it's really Gnosis with the security. Like it's all, it's all centralized on that. So it's not necessarily like there's a bunch of money changing hands in that sense. It's more of just like, you know, you got to pay for the, the on-ramp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I feel as though, um, like a lot of that stuff is being streamlined now and it can be like very competitive. And when you look at maybe like the advantages of investing in DeFi compared to, you know, centralized finance, 
you're going to want to pay like a slightly more, like more expensive fee, expensive fee to like get those, I guess, like profits at the end, you know, or like get that like maximized investment. And what we're trying to do, like we, we, we're starting at like the, you know, the 10 and two and, 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 and 2% for passive is a little high. Um, so we might, you know, we're not married to that. We might reduce that. We might look at the friction on that. That's going to be heavy to do with like the fee reduction and whatnot, but you know what we're with the, the profits. And I, I guess I don't want to get into that too much right now. It's like oh, how yeah, it no, is, that's, but that's fine. Yeah. you will uh, like the, the user makes money, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're not hitting with all the fees at once. Like we built this really how we would want to use it. So there's a small transaction fee to enter. But then this isn't the type of user in this product isn't a high frequency thing. So you're not buying, selling, trading, paying an exit fee, like on an exchange. Yeah. That's where it's bad. This is you buy. And then they, you know, the user normally would sit and then yes, we'll charge 10% on the, on the exit, but then you've made a much more than that. So the, our true goal, I mean, anyone can say anything, but we're, we really look at that in like an altruistic way. Like we, we want the users to make money. That's yeah. the best way to build a community is to make them rich. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. Like incentivize yeah. the hell out of them with money. Yeah. <laughs> Just do that. Exactly. And like, I think that's something that I'm seeing in like this, like web, like 3.0 world is that like people that are building in this space, their main incentive is to make people rich. Like you know, just by passively existing. And I think that's kind of like the best existence ever. Um, right. so, we all deserve it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like, let's just like step back a little bit and think about like what the utopia of finance would look like to you. You know, Ooh. like all of the hurdles to DeFi are gone. Like, what do you kind of expect the world to look like? Yeah, I mean, man, that's a great question. Like, I think a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to answer that. Like the first, like when I, when I thought about that, the first thing is like uh, utopia finance would be a world where like people are hungry and homeless. Like, I know yeah. that that's not what we're talking about and not like, it's not about the yield farming and not about that, but like, there's, it's, there's no excuse to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what it is, is the ranks and it's governments. And it's not like you can't fix these problems in it. And it requires people not being kept poor. You know what I mean? And I know that that's like a pretty aggressive thing to say and all that. No, but, it's like, true. It's hundred percent true. Yeah. And that's what decentralized finance is to me, really like we, you know, it, there's all this cool stuff we talk about every day and all that, but really it's giving access to these people and giving, letting everyone have a chance because you, I mean, there's been so much talent suppressed over the last, you know, generations and all this, and just from because of where you were born or stupid borders or something like that. So, I mean, like I said before, we're really fortunate to have these identities and, you know, not, I mean, everyone has identity, but, you know, like a, a driver's license or a yeah. bank account and whatnot. And people are starting to realize that they have, assets that they can earn. And then, you know, and the, I love like the Axie story, like in the Philippines of people making, you know, like however much more per like, you know, they're sitting there and they're contributing to community and, and doing what they want and, you know, making anyway, like that's, that's really my utopia of finances. It's so open and so free that everyone has an equal opportunity. I think. I love that. Amazing. So you've got me all excited. When's launch? Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, um, so we're at the home stretch. Like we've been, it's been like, the, you know, soon, 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 soon. We bootstrapped. So we did the back end all first and then we did the app. So it's just, it is what it is, but we're starting internal testing now. So what we were doing was like hooking the front end of the back end and getting it all working. You know, the back end's been working for months and months, but uh, so internally we're very, very excited. That's off running. Jugus is doing an amazing job. Like uh, we have an awesome development team. They're just off running. I, I've never been more happy with that. And then, you know, for the last year, it's been all development and, and not much business development marketing. So I finally get to, you know, I've hired content writers. We have a designer uh, that we just onboarded. So we're, we're, we want to launch as soon as possible. We're happy if it's, you know, the end of August or whatnot. So, but I mean, it'll be the next couple months. And then what we're doing right now is we're driving everyone to the wait list. And that's what we're really going to focus on in that way. So, you know, there's trysmartdefi.com. 
sign up for the waitlist there. Um, we're really going to take care of everyone that, that helps us and with, with feedback and, and we're really going to hit that list hard and give access to everyone. And, you know, as soon as it's ready, like, uh, we'll let you know, we'll be the, one of the first to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm on that list already and I can't wait to try uh, smart DeFi. but okay. Awesome. <laughs> let's, yeah, um, let's do like a quick round. Um, I love asking people just like questions under 60 seconds, and okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's right. see. Um, so I'm gonna just put on a little timer. And Ooh, official, okay. Yeah, so they're gonna be under pressure. Okay. I'll shorten so my answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have ten questions. Um, if you want to elaborate on something a little longer, we don't have to answer the other ones. But yeah, I got you. Okay. Are you are you ready? Oh, hold All on. right. Let's do it. Okay. There we go. Okay. What are your top three uh, cryptocurrencies? Uh, ETH. Sushi and Matic. I love sushi. Sushi is great. Um, okay, centralized finance, too big to fail or going extinct? Ooh, I think the centralized finance has a place in the ecosystem. I think that it'll always be there. And I think that we should support that. And things like FTX and SAM are the way to look. And that DeFi is something different, you know? Yeah. Okay, um, DeFi startups that don't get enough hype. Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to plug the homies. I think uh, I, I first thing that came was Barnbridge. Really, really cool. They're smart yield. Check that out. Google them. Uh, it's a hedge against interest rate risk. 19 uh, seconds. Another one that, that just reminded me of is Element Finance, Element Fi. Um, awesome team. Um, uh, they're, they're an open source protocol to fix. It's like variable yield markets. And then this got me on thinking that uh, Teller Finance. So Teller, they connect your bank account and they offer risk assessed loans. Gone. <laughs> Okay, good. You should that under 60 seconds. That's 60? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I literally wrote down 10 questions because I was just like, oh my God, that okay, 60 seconds goes really fast. I think, um, it's, too, I think it's too short, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kieran, thank you so much for coming on Prosper Podcast. I am so excited for what you and your team is building. Um, and yeah, like I'm looking forward to that email to get access to Smart DeFi. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and and uh, your questions were great. You really like, you understand, I think what's important about all this and it's not just all about the hype and the noise. So I really appreciate you and your time and, and yeah, we'll let you know as soon as it's ready.